Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Welcome back to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl Genesis, and with me, as always, is Toasty who would definitely pass instead of smash on our character deep dive subject for today. Bold assumption, Jen. Bold assumption. Oh, okay. I mean, I could be wrong. (laughs) Say it. At this point, I'm realizing just how much of a degenerate I am. Um, My my smash to pass ratio is um, a lot higher than I probably would want it to be. But, oh well. Okay, but do you think you would do the smashing, or would he do the smashing? Because I don't think he's going to give you a choice. Yeah, I definitely think that he would be doing the smashing, which is very fitting, as our character deep dive subject for today is Adam Smasher. So, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I guess I guess in that case, I'll just be be- uh, Rebecca. Uh, <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Well, he definitely smashed Rebecca into the concrete, and then below the concrete, and then it's a—I don't know what the hell was down there, but <laughs> poor, poor Becca. Oh, okay. <laughs> smashed. Yeah, so today we are going to be talking all about Adam Smasher, and I find him, he's unique on so many different levels, uh, because he's been there since day one of cyberpunk, basically. You know, he's got the history of it in the tabletop. Um, He was not in the card game. I scoured to see if I could find anything Smasher related. And while Morgan's in it and there's references to Johnny, um, Adam is not in the card game. But he's in the tabletop and in the games and the anime. Yeah, yeah he's everywhere. He's the NC boogeyman of a legend. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, I think one of the first times that uh, a lot of people might have seen him if he didn't if you didn't play the tabletop would have been in his uh, in the Cyberpunk 2077 game and uh, his database entry. Do you want to read that out? So his uh, database entry reads as follows. Um what with a full body conversion, not much is left of Adam Smasher, the man. 
Well, his humanity was always questionable. Smasher's in charge of taking out Arasaka's dirty laundry, but he likes to do things his own way. Way back in 2023, he killed Johnny Silverhand during the attack on Arasaka Tower, after which Silverhand's personality was digitized by the Soul Killer program. If Smasher finds out that Johnny's back, he'll probably want to finish what he started. Smasher doesn't leave loose ends. Yeah. What do you what do you call Lucy and Falco then, bitch? Ooh. <laughs> Damn. Ah. Oh. Hey, David couldn't do much, but he was able to distract them just long enough, so it's all good. <clears throat> yeah. <sighs> trying to think. I mean. I get, we will get there, but then it all depends on the endings and things like that on whether or not mm-hmm. Rogue is also still a loose end out there. But yeah. True. True. Um, so starting off, uh, I'll start off with a little bit of a funny quote that I saw at the top of his, uh, his wiki page. Uh, this is the quote that they chose to represent the entity that is Adam Smasher. You want to read that quote, Jen? All right. All right. You look like a cut of fuckable meat. Are you? That's that's Uh, the quote. That's the quote that embodies him. It's amazing. (laughs) Okay, I know of at least one listener who says yes. Absolutely, hands down, yes. She would be the fuckable meat. Oh my god! Oh my god! You have to tell me who the hell that is afterwards. We won't. We won't put them on blast on the the podcast. But you gotta have to. No, she. This woman has said on an episode of the girls. She presented Smasher as her. I wish I could romance him. So Shanko, I'm just gonna call you out right here, right now. That's who I thought. Like once you said on the <laughs> on two girls, I was like, "What well, didn't Shanko say that?" Uh, yep, yep. All right, all right. Well, god damn it. I mean, there was definitely. I remember there was the mods that people did where they were replacing the joy toys with Adam Smasher. Ooh. So like, so like you can <laughs> technically <laughs> if you get a mod for it. So, <sighs> um. I guess because I guess that quote though is just specifically because that's that's what most people first hear from him because that'll be like the first time you see him in 2077 is during the uh, brain dance in Yorinobu's hotel room. So <sighs> yeah, and it it makes sense for that being one of his iconic lines because he uses the word meat and that's what he sees all non-cyborg level people as. Just who he sees everyone as. Everyone's just meat to him. Yeah. So, even like, yeah, even in the the anime, he says, no meat leaves the slaughterhouse as they're trying to run away. It's like, jeez, dude, (laughs) you need to chill. But anyways, enough of the banter. Uh, Let's get in. Let's, Let's get in. I don't want to say let's get into Adam Smasher. I don't want to say that. I don't want to let's say dis- I said it, but I don't want to say that. <laughs> let's discuss Adam Smasher's background. There we go. Cool. <laughs> so 
Adam Smasher is a Fulborg solo and rival of Morgan Blackhand. He is employed by Arasaka and by 2077 has risen to the position of head of security and the personal bodyguard of Yorinobu Arasaka. Smasher is a towering cyborg with little humanity left to be seen. After being reduced to mush by an RPG blast in the 2000s, Arasaka offered him a choice, either pull the plug or become a full-body cyborg. With little to no options and a lack of care for his human side, he agreed to be he agreed and became more machine than man. Adam has no empathy for others, including his fellow employees, but Arasaka kept them alive, so he lives to repay their act by killing any enemies of the corporation Arasaka puts in front of him. By 2077, he's a 96% cybernetic and is considered a high-functioning cyber-psycho and quite possibly the highest-functioning psycho in the entire franchise. Yeah, I totally see that. And mm-hmm. the 4% remaining, that's got to be just be like his brain. And yeah, it's like just brain. Bits and pieces of his brain. And then the skin that you see... That is like from his note, the bridge of his nose and up to about halfway up his skull. So he yeah. does have like a little bit of skin left. Yeah. And the, the 96% does come from 2077. If you scan him, it says that he's 96% cyberware. Mm. Like it gives you those in his like little, the little like brief things whenever you like scan someone with the, the hacking screen or whatever. Right. So Yeah. And then the high functioning cyber psycho that was from the Reddit post from Mike Pondsmith, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Quoted by the the creator of Cyberpunk himself, so he would know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's a pretty brief overview of it, but we actually do know a lot more about Smasher, and I can take it all the way back to the early two thousands, where he was a fairly typical punk. You know, a worthless New York City mook who joined the army while his gang, when his gang was wiped out. After several years in uniform, he was discharged for bad conduct, go figure, and took up being a contract gunner in his home city. It was a good life for Adam, as his lack of squeamishness and sadistic thoroughness brought in enough jobs to keep him in guns, gear, drugs, and brutal one-night stands. This terminology makes me really uncomfortable. I don't know what that means. And I don't think I want to know what that means, if I'm being entirely honest. Same. Like, uh, fucking brutal? Jesus Christ, my guy. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's brutal because he left a string of broken hearts. Yeah, as well as... Broken, broken arms, bones. legs, skulls, <laughs> ribs, Elvises. I don't know, fucking bodies. Mm. Yeah. It's like he probably smashed and then he smashed. So. Well, this was all pre-cyber, though. So while he could have been. He's still a big ass dude, I think. Like he was not any. He was no joke. He yeah. was no joke. Yeah. But then he finally went on that one job where everything fell apart. A couple of rockets turned him into minced meat, and his buddies backpacked what was left of him out of the zone and back to the Big Apple, 
where a mysterious corporate benefactor took note and gave him the classic offer he couldn't refuse. Corporate service in a metal body or death. And not being overly concerned about the state of his humanity, he accepted. I mean, I don't know if I could do that. If I'm basically dead and my only option to survive is to lose the rest of my humanity and become a full cyber killing things... I think my humanity level is too high for me to think that I could do that. Well, I mean, just a little bit of a brief glimpse to what, um, because we do have stats for him from like, uh, I think cyberpunk 2020, Mm. um, the tabletop, um, his, his empathy rating just says, yeah, right. (laughs) He doesn't have a number. It just says, yeah, right. So, like, humanity, not a not a concern for this guy. Us, yeah, sure. But him, he, I mean, he barely even had it to begin with before he was cybered out. Oh, yeah. But anyways, move on to the, the 2010s. Uh, seven years later, the new cybernetic Adam Smasher had made quite a name for himself along the eastern seaboard. He hired out for almost any mission presented to him, as long as it wasn't an obvious suicide or double-cross. He did have one stipulation. Collateral damage and civilian casualties are a must. That's jacked, dude. Like (laughs) He He wouldn't take jobs unless it means that innocent people would die in the process? What the actual fuck am I gonna... I could see like collateral and civilian casualties are mandatorily forgiven or, you know, are things like that. But no, are a must. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It's ridiculous. Like, like, you know, oh, we got this super this job, super clean, super easy in and out. Just need you to go in here, kill this guy. You know. No, I'm not taking it. It doesn't sound like there's enough innocent death involved oh, God. Um, anyways, uh, during this he had a he had developed a quiet rivalry with morgan blackhand along the way seeing the classic solo as a threat to his metal is better than meat worldview um now i can't because i haven't done as much research on morgan blackhand because he hasn't been as like present and stuff or whatever i believe though morgan blackhand is organic. And that's like his like big like the big thing about him is that he is an organic guy uh in this world of cybernetics and still manages to be like one of the biggest names uh or the biggest name among solos, you know, like uh but I think Jen is fact-checking me right now, but I'll keep going while she does that. Uh, Adam had repeatedly tried to challenge him to a face-off, but Morgan only ignored him at every possible confrontation. Naturally, the snubbing had simply stoked the cyborg's psychopathic rage higher. Meanwhile, his secret benefactors, who turn out to be a branch of Arasaka security, big surprise there, allowed him time for freelancing. 
Uh, so, just like Johnny has his silver arm, Morgan has a black one. So he's not all Gannick. Okay. Gotcha. I know, but I think there was like a th- he's mostly Gannick then, right? Like- yeah. Okay, so it's just the hand. It's just the hand that's a. Like, I think it's and- it's the full arm. Um. Uh, he's a solo with a black chrome cyber limb arm. Hmm. But it sounds like we need to do more of a character deep dive on Morgan and learn a little bit more. Oh, uh, never mind. He's got plenty of cyberware. Never mind. I was wrong. <clears throat> oh. Oh, well, he's not as cybered out as Smasher. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah, nobody is. <laughs> and even at this point, he's not even the same amount of cybered out as he is in 2077 yet. He's probably still more cybered than Morgan Blackhand. So. Absolutely. Uh, at, so let's do another little bit of a time jump and bring it up to 2020 to 2023. We know a lot about what happens here, because in 2022, Adam was recruited by Arasaka to fight in the fourth corporate war, and he was more than happy to fight for them because he knew Morgan had been hired by Militech. So while Arasaka is fighting Militech, Adam is going to continue his solo battle against Morgan, and Arasaka supplied him with everything he could ever want, including the Dai-Ani, okay? that is power armor conversion gear that turned Adam into a nearly unstoppable machine. So this brings him to more of to what we know he looks like now. Uh, during during this time on August 23rd, very specifically, uh, Smasher was present at what would become the Night City Holocaust at the top of Arasaka Tower. That night, as remarked by a former Spec Ops operative who was present at the mission, Smasher and the rest of the Arasaka troops ambushed Johnny Silverhand and Morgan Blackhand's team. However, Silverhand distracted him, shouting and firing at him with his gun, getting injured by Smasher in the process, yet giving Shaitan an opportunity to hold Smasher back. Despite that, Adam had injured Johnny bad, leaving him to be retrieved by the Arasaka medical team. We all know what happens next. Smasher well, later. Mm-hmm. The like the scene that we play through is Johnny. The first scene we get, um, our mission during like right after the the uh, the heist or, or the intro of the game, um, where we basically play out this night as Johnny Silverhand. Mm-hmm. So, which and is a little he- bit different in the game, but not. Uh, because like Morgan Blackhand's not there, and we get a little bit where Johnny's alone rather than Shaitan being there, but except for a few like glimpses, but yeah, yeah, where Johnny is one shotting and just killing everybody and doing super gun flare moves and being the total badass rocker that Johnny Silverhand is because it's his own memory, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Smasher later appeared at the top of the tower, preparing to fight Blackhand as the rest of the extraction team left on their Aerodyne. Uh, Blackhand remarked about testing Smasher's philosophy for itself shortly before the nuclear bomb detonated. How do you think he survived? Like, that's trying to think about that. 
It's like, I guess he must have gotten out, right? Like, Smasher too. Yeah. They obviously survived that because you can't just be on top of a building that gets nuked and just be like, okay. Granted, it's a really big building. <laughs> but. It is. And if your body is mainly mechanics anyways, you could just be repaired. That's true. That is true, yeah. Yeah. We know how much damage it does for and and as you like if you play twenty or Cyberpunk Red, which takes place in twenty forty five and like Night City is all different and like there's that area around what used to be the the old Corp Zone that mm-hmm. is just like a whole mess of like ruins and stuff because it's still like kind of an irradiated uh, area. Like, bad area that you don't want to go to. (laughs) Or maybe he found a refrigerator to hide in. We don't don't talk about that. No, no, we don't talk about that. We don't (laughs) talk about that. Just uh, move on swiftly. Okay. Go to the mid-break? Yes. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. Here we are at the mid-break where we talk about everything related to the cyberpunk lore cast and not the lore of the cyberpunk cast. That works. <laughs> we have a new tier 4 patron to shout out. Uh, Mrs. Adam Smasher, Captain Shanko herself, thank you so much for becoming the newest, greatest uh, one to join the team. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us up to 15 or 16 now. I'd have to double check on that. I think it's 15. I think it's 15. Very nice. Uh, and hopefully uh, uh, you guys can, uh, all of our tier four, our higher patrons can join us for the earlier than usual Patreon chat this month. Toasty and I got together and worked out the schedule for the rest of the month. And we're looking at Wednesday the 16th to record our Patreon episode. So if you sign up at any time before that, tier four or higher, you'll be able to join us uh, for a topic that we haven't decided on yet. Uh, so come find us on patreon.com slash cyberpunklorecast. We don't have any reviews to read out this week, but we do have... Uh, a little code to give out. If you are a fan of tabletop RPGs, whether it be 5th Ed or Pathfinder, or the love of cyberpunk is having you pick up, the, pick up those cyberpunk red manuals, go to metallicdicegames.com and use the code CPLC at checkout. So it's cyberpunk lore cast cplc from metallic dicegames.com for 10 percent off of your entire order and they ship almost next day i ordered dice on a thursday night and i got them on tuesday like they run a pretty tight ship over there and they provide tracking so you know exactly where it's going to be and when it's going to get to you so 
go check mm-hmm. them out and get yourself a new set of they have cyberpunk yellow i think that's all we have for our mid-break today unless you got anything you want to add no no <laughs> okay let's get back to the show Yeah, so why don't we move the time frame up a little bit? Now, we have a big chunk of time to discuss here, talking from all the way from 23 to 75. What was Smash doing in those times? Um, smashing, surprisingly. Um, no, seriously. Anyways, uh, <laughs> after the bomb, Smasher survived and was retrieved by... Our- was retrieved by Arasaka, who healed him by replacing what little was left of the man with yet more machinery. Smasher was supposedly tasked by Saburo Arasaka to take care of Silverhand's body and his possessions, being one of the few people who knew where Johnny was buried. Shortly after, Adam disappeared for many years. Adam Smasher met Michiko Arasaka, his boss, Kei Arasaka's daughter, when she was a sheltered 17-year-old girl. The two dated for some time after Michiko turned 18, and Michiko's bodyguard, Kenichi Zaburo, threatened Smasher to mind his manners around her. No, do not like, cancel, delete this whole paragraph. It's too late. (laughs) I've already said it. But also, yes, it did make me uncomfortable as well. Uh... Hey, he at least waited until she was 18. Yeah. There's that. But also, he's how old at this point? <laughs> he's born in the 2000s. And depending on what time this happened, like... Well, it, it happened. Mm. But also, I will say, um, so this particular segment was actually uh, part of one of Mike Pondsmith's games that he ran. Mm. So, like, they didn't just add this to the lore. They ran a game in which... um, I don't know if one of the players was playing Michiko or not. I'm not sure. Or if it was just featured in the game. But this happened in that game where Adam had this fling with Michiko and... uh, like that, then it got added as like official canon for it. As we know, like a lot of their games do end up doing with like you know Spider being mm-hmm. his, uh, I think Lisa Pondsmith's character that got added stuff. So sometimes their games do translate and become canonized lore, which I think is really fucking cool. Honestly, um, granted, this is uncomfortable, but. <laughs> Okay, so based off of the rest of the information here, I'm going to guess that it was probably in the 2030 range. And so that would make him close to his 30s. And so 30 to an 18. Yeah, that's a little bit out of my comfortable zone (laughs) um, for an age gap there. I'm also just realizing that Adam was only... Like 23, 22, 23 when he took out Johnny? Yeah. Like, oh, man. He was was a scary dude. I mean, we saw how big he was. He was like twice the size of any man by that. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, during the next decades, Smasher would come and go from Night City. He also teamed up with Rogue Amendieris for a time. So they had a little team-up thing at some point, which, you know, kind of makes sense. Uh, which, But it, it's a little weird, I guess, for Rogue to team up with, like, the dude that killed Johnny, but, like, we know she was, like, kind of pissed about the shit he pulled because Johnny was not a good guy. So, yeah. you know, whatever. She keeps it business. At some point after 2045, Smasher seemingly found more of Silverhand's possessions in Mantha Steel's garage and around the country. Although he had sold much of Silverhand's items, he decided to keep some of them, including Silverhand's Porsche and his signature gun, the Malorian Arms 3516. Sometime after 2050, Adam was assigned as Yorinobu Arasaka's bodyguard and was placed in charge of carrying out Arasaka's dirtiest work, gaining a reputation for expert management of loose ends. During this time, Adam made the Ebuniki docks in Watson his base of operations. Jeremiah Grayson, one of his most loyal men, became his right-hand man, and for a job well done, Smasher gifted him Silverhand's unique pistol. So this is a bit interesting in some of the stuff, because it kind of shows that he's not quite as inhumane as we have been led to believe. Like, he dated. Like, it wasn't just, it wasn't just, like, sex. Mm-hmm. Like, there was an actual, like, relationship. It probably was brief, like, very brief. But, um... Still, like, he carried on a relationship, which requires, like, some sort of, like, at least a little bit of a desire to want to have a relationship with someone. Oh, yeah. And if you have zero humanity, then you're not, you don't really care about having a relationship with someone. But also, he did, uh, is a bit of a sentimental gifting of an item to someone who was, like, loyal to him. And that he, like... Uh, so, there's a couple little details there. That are like, there's a there's a like speck. There's a speck of something in there. Do you want me to tear that down? Because I'm about to whip out some psychology here. Oh dear. So, um, sociopathy. It's being a sociopath. Okay, so dating someone. And yes, sex is sex and sex is good. And, you know, a majority of people like to have it. And so and that is a release. It is something fun to do. So sociopaths can fake relationships, can make the person that they're dating feel like they're the greatest thing in the world, because there's something that they want from them. So it doesn't matter whether or not I can feign the empathy or the sympathy or, or even the love or like if you have something that I want, I can still get that. Now, the fact that it is an, an heir of Arasaka, the, the company that he works for, the company that he wants to raise up in the ranks in, dating the daughter is probably a good way to make it in with the family and get closer and raise up the ranks and get a higher ranked position within Arasaka. Now, his most... I don't think, I don't think he... The thing is, I don't think he needed to do that. I mean, he back in in twenty twenty three, he was tasked by Saburo 
Like he's already working for the the head guy. He doesn't need to raise in the ranks. He's already there. Hmm. Okay. That's why the, it's it's just it because like you if there's like it had to be something else he wanted because like as far as like his his ranking and stuff he's already got it he's well, already got how? it they've already give they already give him everything he wants. Well, then how about a big fuck you? Like that's fair. You know, like, that's fair. That's entirely re- fair. I've reached the top of the ranks, and now I'm going to sleep with your granddaughter. And there's nothing that you're going to do about it. But uh, there's also the gift giving is just to keep the loyalty. If he's not going to use Johnny's pistol, it's worthless. He can't drive Johnny's Porsche. He's too big. Like, even when my V gets in it, it looks like I'm going to burst out of the thing. (laughs) But there's actually interesting information that uh, refutes that, but we'll get into that at the end. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No, I I dated a sociopath. I did not know that he was a sociopath when I got into the relationship, but I learned a lot about it after I got out. So a lot of these tendencies I can see. Yep. That's a form of manipulation. That's a form of uh, getting what you want out of something and being able to fake the emotions required to get the desired outcome. But moving on from my life and back into <laughs> into Adams, uh, we come to 2076 and we have already spent a lot of time talking about what happened in Night City in 2076 uh, because of the events of Edge Runners. Uh, he was br- Smasher was brought in by Kate and Douglas. <laughs> stupid names to dispatch David and his group and we all know what happened so let's avoid all the emotions I don't want to do it again fair call fair call we move on to 2077 the events of Cyberpunk 2077 so by 2077 Adam was still Yorinobu's bodyguard he usually accompanied him to the Compeki Plaza penthouse even scaring guests such as Evelyn Parker, who was Yorinobu. And that comes back to the quote that we started with. A number of weeks later, while the Mercs V and Jackie Wells conducted a heist for the relic in the penthouse, Smasher accompanied Yorinobu as his father Saburo arrived to talk with him. Smasher and Saburo's bodyguard, Goro Takamura, left shortly before Yorinobu snapped and strangled his father. Smasher attempted to stop the witnesses V and Jackie, but they managed to escape before he could catch them. And I probably should have said spoilers for 2077, but honestly, you haven't played it at this point. Like, you're probably not gonna, so it doesn't matter. Um, But it's just a thing. Small note is that I think we all know that Adam knew that V and Jackie were there the whole time. Oh, yeah. Because if you have, I can't remember the exact mod, but it's like, uh, I think it's like a threat detector uh, mm-hmm. or something. If you uh, activate like your your vision while you're doing it, it highlights people who uh, perceive you as a threat. And Adam Smasher is the only one in that room. So uh. it shows basically that, and it's still a theory, essentially. 
because it could be a bug or glitch but like with how much cyberware he has and like his eyes he probably like i would reckon that he to say that he knows you're in that little cubby counterpoint smasher doesn't use it because he doesn't see anybody else around him as a threat is that's assuming on the the function that it's like an activated thing and it's not always on Mm, because it's just in your eyes your eyes could just automatically already just have thermal detection up oh okay he does stare directly at that box the whole time he does not look anywhere else like if you're standing there He's also standing there looking directly at where you are the entire time. So, like, I know it's like a, you know, you can't be proven exactly, but, like, I think I think it's a pretty clever way for the the devs to be like, hey, like, you know, this is fucking Adam Smasher. Of course he knows you're there. But he also doesn't see you as a threat, to your point. So why should he bother saying anything about it? Mm-hmm. Because especially at that point in the game, we don't have any cyberware upgrades beyond, like, the very basic standard stuff. Kuroshi- it- standard Kuroshi optics and uh, a hand thing that yep. lets you do ricochet or something. Like, it's yeah. like, the, basically, yeah. Um, so, and, like, I know that also the fact of television, you'd stand out like a fucking red flag in there, because, like, um, I believe... Whenever we see it in the brain dance, it's like in like blue and green, which means that it's cooled. So your hot body signatures would be just like Mm -hmm. very apparent. And Smasher's a good bodyguard. He's been bodyguarding for what, 20 odd, way longer than that, like 40 odd years. I can't math. Um, He's he's after 2050, so 27 years, essentially about. So, yeah. So he he knows that we are in the room. He just doesn't perceive us as threats until we do something threatening. Upon Saburo's death, Yornobu became CEO of Arasaka, promoting Smasher to head of security. During the memorial parade for Saburo, Sundayu Oda warned Smasher that the parade was to be sabotaged in an effort to harm Yorinobu's sister, Hanako Arasaka. Smasher brushed off Oda's warnings, accusing Oda of disobeying Yorinobu as Oda persisted in questioning Smasher's actions. Oda was ultimately correct. With V's help, Takamura gained access to Hanako's float in order to kidnap her. Smasher afterwards led an Arasaka strike team personally rescuing Hanako and ordering her kidnappers to be killed. So we play through. I mean, we play through all of these events, um, Mm -hmm. wiping out the guards while Takamura sneaks on the float to kidnap her, and then, you know, that apartment later on that gets absolutely wrecked as they come in to to take her back. So, yeah. I saved Takamura, so I was happy that I got that. I went back up stairs and found him I, I didn't do that the first time i didn't realize that that was an option so i he died and then i felt bad when i later found out that you could save him i was like oh well sorry buddy the loot goblin in me was what led me to find him because i was like oh item 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 stairs 
I'm going to go upstairs. Oh, Takamura, hey, I'll save you. I didn't, yeah, my thing was like, I didn't know if it was like a, like how that proceeded. Because I was like thinking of like quests and games that were like, where you have to like run or you just get, you like you die. And I was mm. assuming that's kind of what it was. We've got to get the fuck out or you're just going to die. Yeah, and like so a hidden I, like, time mine or went somewhere. There, so I was like, Get yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so there are quite a few ways that the game can end, and the end game has a lot to do with Smasher. So let's run through what happens in the different scenarios. Um, so if V asks Pan Am for help at the end for Nocturne, is oh, is that an opera? Op fifty-five and one. I think is the name of like that mission from right, the sounds of it. It's a it's a song title because a nocturne is like a piano. So I guess it is just op fifty five N one. I'm gonna have to look that one up. See if Pipe Man can play it for me. <laughs> Once mm. Adam found that the intruders had broken into Arasaka Tower through the underground, he made his way to the Makoshi access points to kill the intruders, and he found members of the Aldecados, Pan Am Palmer, Saul Bright, and V. After destroying the gate, Saul shot at Adam's chest, leaving a slight wound before being killed by the Borg. A fight between the remaining two broke out as Adam asked where Rogue was, and yelled that he'd find her after dealing with the Aldecaldos. However, Adam was defeated in battle. Uh, so if you let... Uh, if V lets Johnny and Rogue go in to the final mission, um, of course Johnny takes over, uh, Adam, as well as the rest of security, were on high alert after an unidentified flying vehicle had assaulted... Arasaka Tower. He suspected it must must have been the work of the Queen of Fixers and his enemy, Rogue. Adam made his way to the Makoshi access point, discovering Rogue, Crispin Wayland, and V were behind the assaults. He confronted Rogue. However, before he could kill her, she detonated a grenade on his chest, wounding him in the process. He then began to fight V and Crispin. Adam was defeated during the battle. Yep. R.I.P. Rogue. Uh, if V asks Hanako to help in the Nocturne, uh, during Yorinobu's military coup on Arasaka, Hanako's faction slowly took over Arasaka Tower with Takamura and V leading the troops into the CEO's office. However, Adam intercepted him right before they could enter the CEO's office in a last-ditch effort to protect Yorinobu. V and Takamura began to fight as to fight Adam as he asked where Rogue was and yelled that he would find her after dealing with them. Adam, however, was defeated during the battle. A bit of an accession with Rogue. Right? Because yeah. she's the loose end. Yep, yeah, that's true. He doesn't leave loose ends, and she's been around for 57 years being a loose <laughs> So, although he did jobs with her during that period and didn't kill her, which is wild. Um, so if V and Johnny went alone to perform a suicide run and don't fear the Reaper, 
Adam Smasher intercepted V before they made it through to Mikoshi to the Mikoshi access point alone. A fight between the two broke out as he asked where Rogue was and yelled he'd find her after dealing with V. Adam was either defeated during the battle or managed to kill V as well as indirectly killing his nemesis Johnny. So we know that that like that ending specifically you can succeed or fail uh, to do so and their ending changes depending on how you do. So mm-hmm. and that's fighting him alone. You have granted let's be honest the NPCs in this game are like trash when it comes to combat. So you're basically fighting him alone anyways. So yeah, by yeah. that point, like, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what it's like. I will say of like how to gun him. Like if you're trying to like, like if you're playing like a run and gun kind of playthrough, like what it's like to like be in a gunfight with him. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, I mean, the times that I've fought him, it was either, with like maxed out like uh net running stuff so like my short circuits are chunking him for tons of damage or like the first time i played i was like a max cool and melee build so i was just like slashing him furiously and i think like killed him in like 12 seconds Mm. because i was just hitting like just so fast yeah so it was like i don't know what it's like to be in a gunfight or if he's like got stages or anything so i don't know i guess we'll find out in this playthrough maybe yeah uh i will probably be streaming my my gunner v uh the the ending and so you can watch me see how it goes through there i'll see if i can kill him with becca's shotgun alone and maybe some net running skills oh yeah uh, so you talked earlier about uh, his about Smasher's stats in the role playing game, and yeah, it literally says intelligence of four, because what he's got like a quarter of a brain left, a cool of seven, and that kind of makes sense too because he doesn't really have a lot of like melee skills or like the fine ninjutsu skills that I associate with the cool status. Yeah, so I actually do have a question because this is 2020 stats. I've never played 2020. Mm. But you have what is like the the range here? Because in Cyberpunk Red, it's like it's from like the standard stuff, and you can get like cyberware and stuff to boost this later. But the standard range for these skill or these attributes or whatever is two to eight. Okay, we could throw that on a screen sheet next week. Because uh, yes. I'm curious. Because like. I have to imagine, like, because it's so if this was red, like a cool of seven, pretty fucking cool. <laughs> but yeah, like, but I mean, he's got a body of 18. That's all cyberware and stuff. From yeah. what I'm assuming, he doesn't have his, like, God, they don't have stats for him in red. But like, oh, God, I can't imagine what this stuff must look like if that's the case. This is wild. Uh, if you want to move on to the fun facts, I, I'm literally going to pull out my red book. It's sitting here at my feet right now. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's he's got like some beefy stats on here. Uh, body of 20, reflex of 15. So some like insane stuff. Um, and this was another like small little detail that I saw that I don't know what was 2020's like armor system was like, but I know what it's like in red. 
And like I'm running around with an SP of 11 most of the time, which is like kind of standard. Um, and like the stuff that gets you up into like SP like 15, 16, like whatever, like you have to take massive decreases on like your reflex and movement, which like is just not worth the payoff. But f- for Adam Smasher, with all of his things and his SP 20 armored coveralls, he is generally running around with an SP of 42. Which Damn. I believe means that you have to do over 42 damage in order to actually damage him. Otherwise, it just gets absorbed completely. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, I'm just thinking of my little, like, my pistol that does, like, 46. I don't <laughs> think I can do that. I can't reach that. I can't even reach, like, I can barely reach half of that. That's crazy. Oh, so it is It is still based off a D10 system. Oh, so, yeah, okay. So, cool's not, yeah, it's decent, it's decent. Yeah. Uh, so, as for some fun facts we have here, um, so prior to the Fourth Corporate War, Adam Smasher affected a southern uh, good old boy accent that made him sound exactly like Elvis Presley. Ah. Uh. I wish they hadn't gotten rid of that. I wish he'd still had that. You can imagine ro- robotic Elvis for like, like you're fighting him. Elvis is still alive, man. Um, and also, so this is the thing I was talking about before. Adam Smasher used various cyber bodies throughout his life, having a closet full of them by 2020. The first body he used all the way into the fourth corporate war was a heavily modified Samson. He was later given a Dioni by Arasaka during the Night City Holocaust to face Morgan Blackhand. Also around this time, he had access to a Gemini that looked and sounded like a young, overmuscled blonde Elvis Presley. After the war, however, he stopped using more humanoid bodies, and by 2077, he was using a heavily modified Dragoon. So, he had, like, and this is, like, kind of, like, a same thing of, like, a, like, for people that are fans of, like, Altered Carbon, where you have, like, sleeves that, like, are different bodies that you can put yourself into. He had those, including, like, humanoid bodies so he would kind of like take a break from his like giant mechanical form and like transfer i guess kind of like transfer his consciousness into like what was more like a more humanoid thing and i believe that uh it was stated that he does that whenever he's dating michiko it's in this like uh, Elvis Presley or blonde Elvis Presley body. Well, shit. Now I'm gonna put him on my smash list if I get a blonde Elvis Presley version of him. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, <laughs> so I said, don't be too hasty, you know? Oh, no. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, okay. So the last little thing is that Adam Smasher's name is a play on the word. Atom Smasher, 
A-T-O-M, like the little tiny particles, um, which is a nickname for the particle accelerator, like the Large Hadron Collider, the machine that apparently is going to either fix the world or ruin it, depending on what it does. Not to be confused with Large Hard-On Collider, which we will be giving no context for. We're just going to leave you for that. And if you know, you know. Let Jin recover for a moment before she takes us out. <laughs> oh, okay. You broke me on that one. Good job, beast mode. Oh, okay. So, yes, let's take us out on that note. I love a good hard-on collider. So... Please come follow us on all the social on social media. You can find us on Twitter at CyberpunkLore. You can also email us at CyberpunkLoreCast at gmail.com or come find us on Patreon.com slash CyberpunkLoreCast. Uh, or of, on RobotsRadio.net where you can find sh- links to all of the network shows, including my other show that I host, Two Girls, One Ship, where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. Right now, we are talking Dragon Age 2, but tomorrow night is a very special episode, a live recording. V&I's one-year anniversary is tomorrow, so it's a very special episode coming up. So come follow me, come follow us, come follow everyone. Toasty, what you got? And and just to, to state, for those on the audio only platform, that that episode is yesterday. So you, you missed good job. Um no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um you can obviously always find their their audio uh on Spotify and stuff as well. Um, and as for me, uh, I am a co-host of the Witcher Lorecast. Um, we uh, do our live shows on uh, Mondays at 5 Eastern now. Um, yeah, we, we moved it earlier. <clears throat> um, and we just did a, recently did our... Um, patreon chat and genesis is there genesis is, is there for the patreon chats too so check that out uh and i also do the uh actual play cyberpunk red podcast uh cyberpunked cyberpunk apostrophe d with the fumbling for an almighty crit gang and you can find those uh also on spotify all the audio listening platforms yeah, and of course, we always love to shout out Miracle of Sound, who did the amazing intro, mid-break, and outro music that you'll hear in just a moment. Of course, the song wasn't created by for us, but I found it on his YouTube channel and fell in love with it, along with so much more of all of his music. For the last decade, I have been a huge fan of Gav from Miracle of Sound. Now, just, I think, last week, he put out another version of a really popular song called Valhalla Calling Me, based off of uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And he duetted it with Peyton Parrish, who is another amazing vocalist. Absolutely love his shit. He's uh, like actual Nordic. So he will sing songs in uh, like old Vik- Vikingrum. 
So he'll sing Valhalla, but as a Viking, it's amazing. But they teamed up with a, another gentleman whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head this moment, but the three of them have such a good bass vocal tone that they harmonize off of each other, and you just feel like this is how it would have been sung back in the day. Oh, Valhalla calling me. All right. And with that, I think it's time to Delta. So stay safe in Night City. How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue, and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.